love Newtown. I love the people in Newtown and I love the things they do. It's very funny. People with dogs attract people. Get down, Meg. She don't want to kiss you. She's the kissing bandit, that one. Nobody knows just how many dogs there are in Newtown, a small, high-density, inner-city suburb of Sydney. But there are a lot. Around 1,000 dogs are registered by the two local councils. And after that, it's anyone's guess how many more are living untagged and unrestrained. Newtown is not over-endowed with green spaces, so everyone goes to the nearby Camperdown Memorial Rest Park, which is the size of a large oval and just about the only place for Newtown's dogs to take their owners for a walk. Newtown has so many dogs, there's even a lobby group called Dogs Camp. With the dogs' interests at heart, Dogs Camp has fought to keep an off-leash section of the park for that essential canine constitutional. It's time for a walk with the hounds of Newtown. I think that having a dog is the best thing an elderly person can have because they're the best company, they don't ask for anything, they look after you, you know. I mean, like here, for instance, I live on my own. My door's open all the time, but nobody, like a burglar, wouldn't be game to walk in. How many do you have? I have six. They keep growing. But, you know, what can I do? I, I saw this ad in the, on the telly about the dogs at the pound, these chihuahuas. This woman had 25 in the house. Anyway, they were all neglected and, oh, terrible. So I went out and I took one of them. And she's lovely. She's very gentle and very shy. She, there she is in there. Cassie, come on out and say hello to the lady. Come on. Come on, Cass. So let's see. We've got Poppy, who's a King Charles Spaniel. Leo. Leo's also the same. And these two, who are sisters. Two Yorkshire Terriers and two Chihuahuas. And the guest? The guest, I don't know what he is. (laughs) He's lovely, but yeah. It's a very strong dog community in Newtown, isn't it? Yes, yes. You see, everybody with dogs. Big dogs, little dogs. You go up to the coffee shops and they're sitting on the cushions. <laughs> yeah. We're open at sort of six, six, quarter past six every morning and um, it's situated very close to Camperdown Park which is also known amongst locals as Dog Park. So we get a lot of people sitting on the step waiting for me to rock up at six o'clock in the morning waiting for their coffees with their dogs and... And it's also situated right in the street as well, so people can sit there and hold onto their dogs while they have a coffee. It's a, it's a real sort of cross-section of people. There's, there's some people that, you know, there's a lot of sort of single people around here with their dogs, and that's the sort of companionship, and having dogs is a really good way of meeting people. There's, a, there's like the sort of the Newtown dog community, and they've even made up little T-shirts and everything that they wear around, and... It's a real collective. If you go down to sort of Camperdown Memorial Park at 5, 5.30 in the afternoon, they're all there. There's about sort of 50 or 60 of them, all with their dogs playing around together. Everyone gets on well. And There's one gentleman who I won't, I won't name. He, um, he's a, he's, he works out every day. He's massive, but very, very big guy. And he brings in his dogs, and they are massive. They're, they're the biggest dogs you've ever seen in your life. They're bigger than humans. 
and he walks around with them and he has he's, he's very well built and he has a lot of trouble sort of holding onto them which gives you an indication of how big these dogs actually are um, and then you get some more there's another lady who's uh, quite sort of dainty and she's a bit older and she's got you know wears lace and all that sort of thing and sort of floral clothing and and um, white pants and all that sort of thing and she's got a little white poodle and all that sort of just people just walk straight into these stereotypes it's hilarious sometimes you know but these people it's like love their dogs so much that I mean if they've only got enough money for sort of toast or whatever like for one serve and they'll give to their dogs and they'll go without breakfast I like a bit of a mongrel myself, whether it's a man or a dog. It's best for every day. George Bernard Shaw. Everyone says he's a handsome boy. He's got his Caesar nose and a noble hound. Yes, I know. You're a good boy. So this is Rex, who's ball obsessed. What sort uh, of dog is Rex? He's a blue heel across with a husky. And uh, he's quite manic. Here the big guys go. He's a bull mastiff crossed with a Labrador. And he's very gentle and very calm. And uh, a big soppy. And uh, Rex is the boss of the two. There will uh, be nine in April. There's two days between them. Um, we decided to get some dogs when we moved to um, Hopeton Street, just down here and um, basically for company and for security and we just wandered around the pet shops I didn't um, have enough courage to go to the RSPCA I'm afraid because um, I thought I'd have to bring them all home you know or um, be quite a mental wreck but it's haven't finished and Rex um, cost me about $60 and he's since cost me about two and a half thousand dollars in damages in that he's eaten two motorbikes of mine uh, literally eating them and it caused me numerous dollars in repair bills for them and he got jealous of the fact that I was paying attention to the motorbikes and um, he decided to start it off with a triumph he ate the seat and he ate the rubber foot pegs and the rubber handlebars and anything that had triumph and expensive stamped on it he ate so I took the seat back to my mechanic and got that fixed and got new pegs and by then I was selling it anyway and bought a Harley which we um, fenced in the backyard uh, for this Harley specifically and it had leather saddlebags and king queen seats, very expensive and tussly handlebars and all the expensive typical Harley things and um, he ate through the fence and uh, ate the Harley I don't think I'm a loopy bystander and I'm incredibly emotionally attached to my dogs um, I do, you know, literally adore them they do play an inordinately large part in my life but at the same time, in my household, I've got my husband and his son. So we do have people there as well as dogs. They're not allowed on the beds or on the furniture or things like that. I mean, they are dogs. And, but um, they are, you know, part of the family, basically. Well, these are Arthur and Banjo. And um, Arthur's a Vizsla and Banjo's a German Spitz. And there are, there are two other dogs, um, Quilpy and Bee, but they're holidaying in the country at the moment because we're renovating the backyard. <coughs> two of them are Australian champions, and um, Bee, which is my little baby, is well on her way to becoming an Australian champion. What made you choose that breed? It was one morning after Sleaze Ball, 
and there in the Sun Herald was Dog of the Week. It was a black hairy dog and I thought, well this face is saying come and get me. So it was in the car and out to Yaguna and we went out there and there was this black hairy dog and the lady at Yaguna said, look I learned in my first week not to come here with a hangover because all of these dogs are barking. So we brought home this black hairy creature and then decided we'd have another one. We worked out that he was a black German Spitz and so I rang a breeder and said, look, I want another one, and it started from there. Oh, Salty's a uh, purebred border collie, lovely dog, uh, very friendly, demands a great deal of attention and uh, gets it. <laughs> when did you get him? I happened to be, for reasons unknown to myself, uh, I looked at the pets for sale section uh, on a random basis and there it was. He had been bought by someone who was living on a yacht, hence his name, Salty. But the, almost immediately upon buying him, the man got a job sailing around the world and had to get rid of him, so we bought uh, him off him. She's a brown Kelpie cross that came along about six years ago, and she was what pushed me into starting this business. Um, I managed another company and I was sick of it, and I wanted to walk my dog, so I just thought I'd walk everyone's dog as a business, and she was the, my lead dog and she still is to this day. Uh, like with Pinto, she's a bit of a fun police. You know, if someone's having fun, you know, especially here. She's like, <laughs> can't have too much fun. Can't have too much fun. She's not like that in the park. Though. No, no, she's not like that in the park. It's just here. There's a certain level of behaviour that she expects <laughs> and uh, that's what makes her top dog. If you pick up a starving dog and make him prosperous, he will not bite you. That's the principal difference between a dog and a man. Mark Twain. A man, a little chihuahua, who's five and a bit years old. He's desexed, he's microchipped, and he's from the RSPCA two and a bit years ago, and he seems a happy little dog. He was actually a gift to me from a lady who buys the Big Issue magazine. She paid $100 cash for him at the RSPCA. He had a number of homes, he had a bit of a history with the RSPCA, he was microchipped so I was able to check up on him. Some of his homes weren't too good apparently, but he's a happy little dog. <laughs> Tell me how you feel about your dog. Well, he's my best friend. Uh, he sleeps with me, he snores. Uh, as long as you take him out in the morning and at night, he seldom does anything he shouldn't inside. He's not a really trained, properly brought up dog, he had a number of homes you see. But he's a good little dog, and I wouldn't swap him for him. I wouldn't park with him for any amount. Her name is Girl. She did have another name, which I'll never reveal. <laughs> but it just it wasn't working, and you realise, you know, it must be terrible when you have children and you name them the wrong name, and then you kind of realise years later. So she kind of became Girl very fast. She's a bit of a bitzer. She is part, we think, everything's speculative. She's part Border Collie, part Labrador, and I believe there's quite a lot of staffy in her because she's quite an aggressive dog to other dogs. Every now and then I go through late night dog walking phases and in summer it's a really nice thing to do. And so I went through a little phase a little while ago and it feels good. I always feel like we look good together, me and my dog, because, you know, I always make sure we match. You know, she's got a little red collar, I'm usually wearing a bit of black and red. You know, we look pretty good together. 
She loves people um, and she particularly likes boys. She has this um, kind of sense that, you know, she definitely responds to women differently to how she responds to men. She definitely responds to a testosterone kind of energy in a heterosexual male that sends her baresque. I'm very um, ashamed that I bred a male-identified dog. Approaching the park, 6.30 in the evening. 20 big dogs. Sit, Steffi, sit. 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 Hang on there. Uh, OK, off you go. Dogs are our link to paradise. They don't know evil or jealousy or discontent. To sit with a dog on a hillside on a glorious afternoon is to be back in Eden, where doing nothing was not boring. It was peace. Milan Kundera. If you want to be liked, get a dog. The people you work with are not your friends. Deborah Norville. No, no. Sit down. Sit. Sit. Sit down. Speak. 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 Uh, uh, don't eat the microphone. <laughs> Lennon, you're so cute. One of the things that brings people together and actually breaks the ice so people can have a reason to say hello to each other is the fact they've got a shared common interest in their dogs. And it breaks the ice. People can say, g'day, how old's your dog? Cute dog, ugly dog, hairy dog, smart dog, dog having coffee in the park. You know, it opens up the conversation and then people can actually get along and talk to each other. Do you think that it's, it can be in an anonymous suburb? I'm sure Newtown, like any other place, could be anonymous. Or if you mean it could be very lonely for people who are isolated, then yes, it could be. One of the really interesting things, stories that came out when we set up Dogs Camp was a gentleman who came along and said, look, I've lived in this area for 30 years. The only people I know are the people I meet when I go walking my dog, and that's the real reason why I have my dog. So dogs are very much a... Um, part of the social capital of Newtown. I know people now from, you know, one sort of job type to another, you know, people who run the Houses of Parliament and people who drive buses, and they're all good people. You know, somebody actually said to me once, people and dogs are actually nice people because they have this affinity with animals and care and have a warmth and ability to give. And I thought that was an interesting point to make. Dog owners talk about other dog owners in terms of their dog before they know their name. So it's like, oh, that's, that's um, say, Patch's owner, for example, or where Special lives or something like that. They know each other and they sort of get a bit closer. And actually, there's, there's quite a few people who are together now because of, you know, having dogs and all that sort of thing. The doggy has led to my meeting all sorts of people, young men and women and elderly people, all sorts who know my doggy's name and know my name and I don't know theirs because I can't remember them all. Now he's been a good little door opener for me with people, meeting people. Most people like little doggies. Girls especially love cute little doggies, but not their cute little old men that own them. <laughs> uh, I, one girl told me her brother was getting nowhere with the girls. He got a little doggy. On a regular basis he went to the park and in no time at all he was chatting to young girls who had little dogs. And it worked. They called them chick magnets. I wanna know what in the world is going down. How come my dog don't bark when you come around? Some of my best leading men have been dogs and horses. Elizabeth Taylor. He been my little brother. 
took a chunk out of my old sweet little mother. He been the mailman, he sees him every day. He takes one look at you, he wanna jump up and play. I, I was really lucky I met my wife through walking our dogs together and a lot of my other friends I've met through dogs as well. You build enduring friendships through this sort of thing. I want to hear more about how, how you met, so, okay, Susan. I would see Shannon at the park every day with, with my dog and um, the girls that used to live next door would always say, if someone doesn't have a dog, then don't trust them. And Shannon had lots of dogs, so I could trust him. And uh, yeah, it just sort of started like that. Yeah, a few years later, here we are. How come my dog didn't bark when you came around? I'm not the kind of dog, dog as accessory kind of person because she's difficult. <laughs> it's not like I'd you know, take her up the street with me to have a cup of coffee or something because if I tie her up outside a cafe or something, I spend the entire time looking to see if another dog is coming down the road and if she's going to go psychotic. And she particularly hates skateboards and scooters and things like that. And like to the, this unbelievable degree where she can break leads and things to, to get to a skateboard. So it's just not relaxing taking her out as a social event. So we, we have our dog time and then she comes back to the house and then I go off and do my thing. It's funny, people get really stupidly annoyed, you know, when dogs don't like each other. You know, like they get personally offended that my dog will bark at their dog and if it's a dog, then you know. There's some whole other layer going on there that we don't know about. It's not personal. You know. I do often ponder as I walk down the street, you know, if there's a handsome man with a dog. And I just go, well, that will never work anyway because my dog will never get on with their dog. And it's not like we could ever become a happy family. <laughs> It's not the size of the dog in the fight. It's the size of the fight in the dog. Mark Twain. What makes a dog take a liking to another dog? It's a funny thing. Sometimes dogs will really get on with the dog. That's their equal in the pecking order of the pack. And uh, they'll find that they can play and be more relaxed with that dog because they're equal than one that's either above them or below them. They can't be seen to be playing with a dog that's below them in the pack, of course. And, they, and some dogs also, having said that, some dogs are just more playful than others. What puts a dog at the top of the pack and what puts a dog at the bottom? Attitude. <laughs> a lot of it's to do with attitude with some dogs. And um, generally the females are a little higher up the pack than the males, because the males are a bit sillier. It's very rarely that dogs hurt each other. If dogs are socialised from a young age, they learn they don't want to hurt another dog. They'll work out pack orders and do this whole, you know, who's bigger and who's better and all the rest of it. But they generally don't want to hurt each other because they want to do it again later. Yesterday, I was a dog. Today, I'm a dog. Tomorrow, I'll probably still be a dog. Sigh. There's so little hope for advancement. Snoopy. Sit down, Steph. One of the things of Newtown is that it's a, a very uh, multi-layered uh, society. 
but a very major part of that society is a very gregarious, outgoing uh, society. And dogs, I think, represent a lot of that because dogs, you, know, you need to walk them, you need to sort of be out and about with them. And that's really your essential uh, Newtown person, in my opinion. And that's why I think dogs are popular. Um, there's a bit of flair, there's a bit of anarchist in a lot of people who live in Newtown. And uh, having a dog in the inner city seems to fit that mould. Most of the people around here are pretty laid back and sort of laugh if someone did that. But there are a few people that come in. Um, and they got the little pampered pooches and they, you know, oh, it's so beautiful, blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, sort of cocker spaniel owners, not wanting to generalise or anything, but, uh, yeah, you know, and they sit there with their beautifully manicured hair and all that kind of thing, whereas other dogs come in and they've got so much personality and they run around and, you know, and they're, they're wild dogs, but they're... It's funny to, to watch the sort of difference in how an owner treats their dog and how the sort of dog relates to its owner in turn. You know, like, if it's a casual sort of relationship, then obviously the dog's got a, a bit more personality, whereas if the dog was a bit more pampered, then it'd be more prudy, you know? It's, it's, it's funny, because they're so, like, people in so many ways. Here, gentlemen, a dog teaches us a lesson in humanity. Napoleon Bonaparte. I think a lot of owners encourage their dogs to be eccentric, uh, and some dogs don't need much encouragement to be eccentric. So, uh, yeah, I think it does. I think uh, this old uh, statement that people make about uh, dogs reflect their owners, I think there's a degree of truth in that. And you only have to see uh, the Newtown Festival to get a rough idea of uh, how that enthusiastically gets embraced. Can you describe the festival in that way? It's absolute anarchy when it comes to the dogs. They try to have dog races and dogs run all over the places, all shapes and sizes. They're all dressed up. Some look more respectable than their owners. Uh, some of them behave better than some of their owners, I might say. But uh, by and large, it's just a lot of fun with people who obviously enjoy the ownership of their dog, enjoy its company and enjoy showing it off. Ladies and gentlemen, now we have the Showing professionally is cut your competitor's throat now before they get up there. The Newtown Dog Show, which is held with the Newtown Festival, is a fun, fun event. It has things like the oldest dog, the slowest dog race, the cutest puppy, the fastest dog, the best trick dog. You know, we've had dogs riding skateboards, we've had dogs um, drinking their cappuccinos, we've had something like an 18-year-old greyhound that struggled in for the day in a wheelchair so it's more about having fun and it's more about having community than being out to win at all costs. Well what constitutes a Newtown dog because one of the competitions was the most Newtown dog and that was really funny because we've always had that competition but never put a name or never defined it and the variety of responses was quite good but it was you know attitude and you know <laughs> but a little bit different <laughs> a little bit manic. A little bit, a uh, little bit out there. That's the other thing I think about having the park with so many dogs is that they're actually very well socialised. You know, you <laughs> watch him, he's savage. You can see that um, they are quite well behaved and they are quite, you know, well adjusted. You'll get the odd one that's a bit manic, but it soon gets sorted out by people and the dogs anyway. My dog is worried about the economy because Pal is up to 99 cents a can. That's almost $7 in dog money. Joe Weinstein. What's your um, greatest extravagance for your dogs, do you think? Food. Food. That's what my butcher says. I buy sausages, coarse steak, chuck steak, 
Clem, the, the chicken shop up in Newtown, he's lovely. He saves me yesterday's chickens, so I get them a little bit cheaper. They all have toast for breakfast, either toast and Vegemite or toast and jam. And uh, they're the best fed. My butcher reckons that he's going to leave his house and come down here and live. He said, my dogs are the best fed dogs he's ever seen. His favourite food is lamb, lamb four quarters with a little bone in the middle. Gets all the marrow out of that. But at the moment, he's on uh, just ordinary cereal, uh, maybe some tin chum or something like that. But every now and again he gets a treat, lamb. He doesn't really like chicken. He gobbles it down. But um, he, my little doggy will eat almost anything. Tomato, cheese, you name it. He, he's even tried lettuce. He once drank a woman's cup of tea. People might think this is extravagant, but I actually think it's quite um, thrifty, is that I actually cook her food. I don't actually buy dog food. So I just whip up a bit of mince and rice and stuff like that once a week and make little containers of it. And I quite frequently burn it and you know make the whole house smell disgusting. She gets too hungry. For dinner at eight. No, I wouldn't consider that they're spoiled dogs. I'd consider that they're well cared for dogs. They eat well, they get plenty of exercise, they get well groomed. We're building them a dog bath in the backyard. They're having their own shower put in. They've got their own dog hair dryer, which is a very special dog hair dryer. There's actually quite a few of those in Newtown, more than you'd think. But they're essential for someone who shows a dog because you have to have them well groomed. So are they indulged, are they spoiled? Mm. No, no more than anyone else in the household. David comes around every second Friday, picks them up in his little Mercedes, takes them to the beauty shop, and then uh, when he's finished with them all, keeps them there for a couple of hours, give me a bit of rest, and then he brings them up, all beautified. Do you think you spend more on your dogs than yourself? Well, I don't go to the hairdressers. <laughs> I go, and go, I go to the boys' barber up in Newtown. He's lovely, and that's that's as far as I get for the beauty parlour. But uh, they're they're more important, aren't you? Hey? Yeah, you're more important. That's why the lady is a tramp. Tis sweet to hear the watchdog's honest bark, bay deep-mouthed welcome as we draw near home. Tis sweet to know there is an eye will mark our coming and look brighter when we come. Lord Byron. How good is she at looking after your house when you're not here? <laughs> I, I had this fantasy that she was an excellent guard dog because she barks when people come to the front door and things like that. And I certainly know that, you know, if she's not here, like I've, if I've sent her off to my parents or something, I don't feel as secure at night in the house by myself. But I did get burgled a little while ago and they came in through the front window and I believe she did absolutely nothing. I have a suspicion that if people broke in, once they were actually in the house, she'd and they were boys, of course, she'd just get excited and want to play with them, really. So, um, you know, it's just noise, really. I, I don't really think that she's an attack dog in any way. So um, <laughs> we, we have this suspicion she's probably handing them things out the, out the door. How much space does a dog take up? The air's free, the grass is free. Dogs actually cohabit with people quite comfortably and they have done so for thousands of years. 
and the best research from Pet Care Australia shows that truly horrifying figure that about 70% of dogs sleep with their owners. Well, he, he's a cuddly little dog and he likes to sleep, especially in winter. He's got his own little pussycat bed. Don't tell him it's a pussycat bed, but he's got one of them. He sleeps, he's in it now, right now. But uh, especially when winter comes, he gets under the doona with me and you don't see him till the morning. She does have a bed, but she's not particularly keen on it. When I moved to this house, I'd stopped letting her sleep in the room with me. We did do the bed thing there for a while, but that's very bad for the um, pack leader situation, and that's why I was having some behavioural problems, that I wasn't um, being the alpha female, and letting because I was letting her sleep on the bed with me. But she does tend to creep in, and I'll wake up in the morning and she's on the floor next to me and things. And she waits. As soon as I get out of bed, she gets into bed. Like a dog, he hunts in dreams. Alfred Tennyson. These two used to sleep on my bed, but they don't anymore because I barred them because they snore too loud. So they sleep out here in one of their baskets, but all the other littlies sleep with me. They don't move once they get in the bed. They just stay there all night. And you can feel of a night time slipping down the back of you to get on under the doona. Oh, they're funny. You've been listening to Street Stories on ABC Radio National. You heard the voices of Beryl Vacker, Rosalie Dolan, Brian Crump, Ryan Liddell, Gail Priest, Susan and Shannon Lacey, David Wilson and Barry Cotter. Readings by Andrew McLennan, Kerry Stewart and Angus Kingston. Technical production was by Stephen Tilley and I'm Gretchen Miller. See you on Street Stories next week.